Hello there, listeners. It is your GM, Hunt, back with another fantastic episode of Table Top Recap. Yeah, today uh, it's just me again. <laughs> it's just Daddy. Oh, yeah. And uh, we are doing another review of a TTRPG book, not a module or anything. Uh, today we are looking at S. Peterson's Field Guide to Lovecraftian Horrors, a field observer's handbook to preternatural entities and beings from beyond the wall of sleep. It's from Chaosium. Uh, it's for Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, but also more than that? Uh, a little hard to explain, uh... Now, the ISBN 10 is 15688208362836, if you were wondering. Uh, but it's a neat little book. Uh, it was a fun little purchase I got myself uh, with what was left over from the last stimulus after my uh, bills were paid. Uh, it's got 53 Lovecraftian creatures uh, categorized and detailed in it with full-color illustrations, size comparison charts, habitat, distribution... Uh, it's got notes on the life cycle, uh, observer warnings, how to distinguish similar entities. And let's face it, uh, most of Lovecraft's entities fall into two categories, so that will be pretty helpful. It's also got bibliographies and uh, recommended reading lists. Uh, and fun stuff like that. When I first popped this book open, I was really impressed. By the way, it has one of those like tassels on it that you can use as a bookmark. I love those. I think all TTRPG books should have those because it's very easy to get lost within the pages. Uh, it's got Monsters of the Mythos and uh, Creatures of the Dreamlands. Uh, there's kind of a quick forward, uh, an introduction. And then there's this kind of cool identifying Monsters of the Mythos chart. It's like a chart that you and your players can use to help them figure out what the monsters are based on their physical descriptions. Although Call of Cthulhu does recommend relying less on visual descriptions than like auditory descriptions, maybe like sounds and stuff, even tastes. Uh, they do recommend that. And then there are lots of creatures with some fantastic full color illustrations, like absolutely incredible art some of the creatures admittedly some of the creatures that are in the basic keeper rule book are in here but there's more about them like the size comparison charts and stuff aren't in the keepers rule book and in the keepers rule book it's sketches of those monsters and in this book, it's the same sketches, but they've been, like, finished and turned into full artwork. So what was a sketch in the basic rules is in, like, the same pose and stuff, but it's fully finished, fully detailed, and fully colored as well. There's, like, what one thing I really like is locomotion tables. It shows how uh, they walk around. It shows how... Uh, the half-breed deep ones ch bodies change over time uh very cool things like that i think the size comparison charts are actually one of the things i will find the most 
useful, uh, talking how they behave and etc. Lots of really useful information in this. But there's one thing I was expecting to be in it that is just absolutely absent, and that is stat blocks. And that seems like it's probably hard to believe going into this blind if you don't already know anything about this book. There's no stat blocks. And at first, when I first discovered that, I was like, what? There's no stat blocks? And, uh, but then the Malleus Monstrum or whatever it's called dropped, which is the two book slipcase. That's all the stat blocks. It's like a book for gods and a book for monsters. Uh, and that's where all the stat blocks are. This is basically just a notebook. And it's like an in-character written notebook as well. One thing about it, though, is it is written for the modern day. Like, it references things that happened in the past. But the past, in relativity to this book, is like the 80s. So if you want to use some of these descriptions and notes that, like, your players find in a journal in-game, if you want to use them word for word, you're, you might have to change dates if you're playing in the 20s or the 30s or etc. You know? Because this whole book is in a modern day setting. But not having the stat block at first for that, I was like, geez, really no stat blocks? But then I was reading this thing and it kind of hit me. This is a system neutral book. You can use it for systems other than Call of Cthulhu because it doesn't rely on Call of Cthulhu 7th edition stat blocks. And a lot of the monsters that are in here in the basic rules would have just had copy and pasted stat blocks anyways. So this book actually uh, is for all systems. But once again, that being said, modern day quote-unquote real world systems are what they will work better for. It would be much more difficult to adapt this to like Dungeons and Dragons or RuneQuest or Pathfinder, you know? Because it references the real world and is set in modern times. So yeah, it's system neutral. You could probably use it in maybe something like Vampire the Masquerade or... Uh, Delta Green, maybe? Traveler? You could use it in Traveler. Uh, there's there's a lot of different systems that this could be used for. Uh, but I do want to talk about just Lovecraft's monsters. When you flip through the book, lots of the monsters seem like relatively the same thing image-wise. Because all Lovecraft monsters are basically either sea monsters or just horrific formless masses with like a bunch of eyes and a bunch of tentacles or something uh you know very odd and i'm not going to sit here and pretend like i'm very familiar with lovecraft mythos his writing style was antiquated even for the time he lived in and they're also all metaphors about how his race is quote-unquote superior uh, yeah, that's right. Most of Lovecraft's monsters are supposed to be minorities. It's pretty horrible. Uh, plus I like making my own monsters and using cryptids anyways, which is what our campaign that we're about to start is going to be doing. Uh, actually, we're going to play a one-shot first. Uh, also with some creatures I created. Uh, 
the gods in my world are called the Void Fiends as well, so I don't use any of the Lovecraft gods either. But I do use a lot of the Lovecraft aesthetic and stuff, you know, because uh, it fits best in the game. Also, the Ling Spider in this game looks exactly like the Scylla Kaiju from Godzilla King of the Monsters 2019 and uh, Godzilla Dominion, just FYI. <laughs> but yeah, so the book, once again, is separated into two parts for the creatures of the different mythoses. Uh, like the Dreamlands and the regular Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, and it also has a recommended reading section in the back uh, that tells you, like, uh, where you can read things, like like the actual source material that the monsters are from, like the Lovecraft stories and etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, this is actually a kind of a thin book for a TTRPG book, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you can get it uh, from your local game store, which is what I would recommend. Order one through your local game store just to give game stores some business. Uh, you can also get them online. I think if you get it at Chaosium's website, you get a digital version for free. Don't quote me on that. I know some of their books are like that. I don't know if they're all like that. I don't know if this one is specifically the case for that uh but i know that the rule books that's the case for the rule books so i'm assuming it's the case for this one as well it is for seventh edition specifically once again modern day quote-unquote real world campaigns and I, the best thing in here is the art the art is incredible the art in this is what i wish the art in uh, the last book we reviewed was The Tales of Equestria, where it's like original art on every page, uh, basically. And in <laughs> Tales of Equestria, uh, it's all screenshots from the TV show, and it's super boring and lazy. But they went hard on the art. Uh, lots of visual references, like the locomotion guides are really cool visual references. I love the size comparisons. That... Once again, that'll be one of the most helpful things for me because some of these monsters, I might kind of just, they look cool, so I'll use their physical forms, but I'll kind of change their lore and stuff to fit my world better, you know? Stuff that people do for other role-playing games all the time, and I'm sure people do that for Call of Cthulhu all the time as well. This book was, of course, written by uh, Sandy Peterson. His name's in the title, but it was also written by Lynn Willis and Mike Mason. Uh, pretty recognizable uh, illustrated by Louis Muzi, uh, Maurice Gonzel, and Claire Delepi. I think I pronounced that right. Delepi? Yeah, I don't know. It's got some accents on two E's. <laughs> if I mispronounced those names, I'm terribly sorry, and I do apologize. Uh, I have to read out lists of names out loud at work all the time, and I'm always very nervous that I'm going to get them wrong. But yeah, this is a cool book. I... When I first got it, I was a little miffed about not having stat blocks. But once I realized that it was kind of a system-neutral book, uh, I put that behind me. Because I was like, oh, you know, this this isn't what I wanted. The Malleus Monstrum or whatever it's called. That's what I was thinking this would be. Uh, but this is a good book. You know, it's not what I was expecting. I read the full description and everything, and they made it feel like it would have stat blocks. If you want S. Peterson's Field Guide to Lovecraftian Horrors for Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition, sure, get it. 
Um, it's a nice little book. Don't pay too much for it. It's kind of thin. Uh, maybe, I think I paid 20 bucks for it. I think it's normally about 25 bucks. I paid about 20. Don't pay more than 25 for this book. Just honestly, it's not worth more than 25 bucks. I'm not even sure I would have paid 25 bucks for it if I knew everything I knew now. 20 bucks, yeah, you know, that, that that's fine. I think I paid a good price for it, but 25 is the max, I would say. If Call of Cthulhu is your main... If Call of Cthulhu is, like, the main TTRPG you're into, like it is for me, it's probably worth the pickup. If Call of Cthulhu is one of your side RPGs, like it is for my group, it's really the only the main one for me. The rest of my people, their main one is Dungeons & Dragons. Except Keocat, whose main one is Tales of Equestria. But, uh... Yeah, if Call of Cthulhu is one of your side games and not your main system... This is probably an easy pass, to be completely honest. It's probably a pretty easy pass. So that is it. Thank you all very much uh, for your support. I do not know when our uh, Call of Cthulhu game is going to start. For one thing, my weekends have been busier. Uh, <laughs> now that... Uh, my friends and I are fully vaccinated and everything and uh, have full antibodies. We've kind of got a bit more back into the uh, dating scene. So uh, weekends aren't just for, you know, gaming over Google Hangouts anymore. I will be using Zoom for Call of Cthulhu, though. Uh, just, I will be. And also, uh, I still, we, we need to run a one-shot first. And before we start the Call of Cthulhu game, we need to finish Descent into Avernus. Haven't played in a month, uh, but I've been very preoccupied, so I'm actually not even really itching to play. I've kind of been feeling more like just standard board and card games recently, to be honest, which is why uh, you got a couple reviews of those recently with Pandemic and Ramen Fury. Uh, which were both very fun games. I'm a huge Pandemic fan now. I'm definitely getting the Cthulhu version, and we will definitely be doing a video on it. Uh, I do need to announce, because I'm trying to stretch this to 15 minutes, I do need to announce that I believe we are going to do a 100th episode extravaganza. Uh, <laughs> uh, when the 100th episode comes around. At the time of recording this, we're creeping up on... 70 so it'll still you know be a while it'll it'll still be a good while uh but we are trying to plan something i think we might do some live play i don't like listening or watching live play uh to be completely honest but it's a very popular thing uh, so maybe we'll do like a live play one shot or we'll live play like a casual board game because my friends don't seem to be big on the idea of doing live play uh, for a TTRPG because they're very anxious and etc. And I totally get that. You know, that that makes sense. I'd, I would be fine doing live play TTRPG, but uh, they're much more comfortable with a live play casual board game. I was thinking maybe live play Settlers of Catan. 
because my friends that I play that with were very non-competitive with it. In fact, I'd say we're almost cooperative with it. Not quite, not quite. Oftentimes we'll just move the robber, which we call the rubber, long story. Uh, oftentimes we'll just move it to a blank space that nobody's on. Uh, just playing very casual. So I was thinking maybe we do a live play of Settlers, which we also need to review. There's all, I'll, uh, Kami and Karen also have some expansions for that and stuff that we could review. Uh, and maybe just review that and then just talk about games in general. You know, talk about all the games we've played since the podcast started and also just over time, over our whole lives, maybe just a big gaming live play banter session. If you think that's a good idea, let me know on Twitter at B3Productions. That's at B, the number three, Productions. Uh, you can find the link in the description below, as well as links to many other things like our Patreon, where you can support the show uh, very much. So uh, all my co-hosts and stuff and guests come on for free. They don't even have anything to shout out of their own. They just do it for the heck of it. If I ever actually am able to make some real money on this podcast, I would very much like to pay them uh, for their help when they're in episodes. Also, uh, my friend CreationZilla recently made a podcast called the BroZilla uh, Podcast, where he and his friends review kaiju movies. I think they're doing all the Godzilla movies in order first, and then they're doing all of Gamera in order. Uh, is that the exact same thing that almost every single uh, kaiju podcast is? Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> most kaiju podcasts are just movie podcasts, let's face it. But, uh, you know, I think it's still pretty enjoyable. I really like his takes. He has some interesting takes on some of these things. He, he doesn't agree with the community a lot of the time, and I think that's very refreshing and interesting. Uh, also, you can check out my Kaiju Tokusatsu audio drama podcast. It's like a monster superhero thing. Uh, Toku King. Uh, it is on hiatus right now because I'm having trouble finding an actor for a very important role. Every actor who has come on has ghosted me. So I'm very, uh, ugh, about it. <laughs> very, mm, about it. Just two episodes left in the season, and I'm on a forced hiatus. It's grand. It's really grand. So that is it. Thank you all very much for your support. Uh, please remember to rate, comment, subscribe. Check out all those cool links in the description below yet again, including our Facebook page where we post lots of pictures of games and stuff. And I will see you all... After I tell you one more thing. Ooh, you just got pranked, bro. Uh, there's more. Uh, I recently ordered an ND5E game called uh, Escape from Skullcano Island. It's kind of like a magical King Kong Skull Island kaiju campaign from Planet X Games. It was a Kickstarter game. Mine was lost in the mail for a while. Uh, it did eventually show up. It finally showed up. It was in an unboxing video that I did recently on our YouTube channel. Link also in the description below. But uh, it's very, very cool. Uh, super fun. I absolutely cannot wait to play it. It's a tier 3 to 4 campaign. Lots of great art in the book. I can't wait to review it also. Uh, but I can't review it till it's played, of course. And 
It's even got its own awesome, like, caveman kind of character sheets. Uh, can't wait to play that. But since it got lost in the mail to hold me over while I waited for it, like, once the uh, tracking number expired, if I didn't have it by the time the tracking number expired, they were going to send me a new copy free of charge, no extra shipping, no anything, which was very cool of Planet X Games. Thank you, Levi Combs. You're, you're a great dude. But also, he did something completely unnecessary, but I really appreciate it. He sent me the first two books in his main adventure series from uh, his indie Kickstarter games. The Phylactery 1 and The Phylactery 2, uh, which I'm very excited to play. I sent them to my DM. I haven't looked through them because I'm not the one that's going to run them. If I did, I would just look at the art and not read anything. But if the art is anything like Skullcano Island, it's probably really good. Uh, I just wanted to shout him out. Planet X Games, check him out on Kickstarter. Uh, get yourself a copy of Skullcano Island. $50 hardcover. It's got a ton of content in it. And uh, that is all. Uh, and he sent me two free books. And that's just, that's just great customer service. So that's it. Thank you all once again for your support. And I'll see you all next time.